Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, a podcast that dreams of making you feel less alone in this thing we do called dating. How are you all? Thank you for being here. Liza, how are you? Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Kimmy's in her uh, partner's closet, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like the tiniest baby Monday night buzz and (laughs) we're doing it. I feel like it's... um, you know, it's all it's all coming together. We're thrilled you guys are here. Um, we have a really great episode for you today. Um, we are feeling. How are we feeling? <laughs> We're feeling great. We're feeling great. Uh, are we? I don't know. <laughs> We're feeling great. We're feeling great. We we feel very grateful for all of you. We feel very grateful when you leave us a nice review. It is better than money. Well. I don't know about that, but we, we're not asking you for money. Um, we feel very grateful for you all when you read Precious Gems and give us nice feedback on that. That's our newsletter at preciousgems.substack.com. Liza, every week you write one. I love your additions, but we get a lot of extra fun DMs about how much people enjoyed your Precious ge- precious Gems. I will never say it properly. Sorry, friends. Um, but it's really good. This week you wrote about coming out of this weird pandemic of course it's weird it's a pandemic I wrote about being fully vaxxed and like having my first couple social interactions with people who are fully vaxxed plus two weeks and even then like very paranoidly uh and just how I feel like a lizard person and it's hard and it's uh I like continue to feel like I don't know how to talk to people it's very 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 strange but everyone feels this way and Mm -hmm. after I don't I I think that there's all of a sudden I'm seeing like cartoons and memes everywhere about just how hard it's going to be so we're all in this together but I I wrote up some tips and thoughts about like starting to go on first dates while feeling like a lizard person um so please check it out we also list our consumption corner there every week it's free you can subscribe there's a link in the show notes um and also you can join our secret Facebook group follow us on Instagram at 51 first dates pod Uh, that's it yeah email us your worst first date stories or any thoughts feelings questions or suggestions at 51 first dates 51 first oh my god 51 first dates pod at gmail.com it's been four years it's cool. been four years it's been four years our four-year-old child it's still hard liza i i can't i can't say anything today it feels uh, it's just one of those days it's because it's a monday okay but also if you're new here and you're like i want to hear about dates i want to hear about someone going on one date a week, go to the beginning. You can hear my journey. You can hear our other daters' journeys. But if you go to episode one, you'll get that content. If you're a regular listener, um, we're going to do our consumption corner. Or if you're new too, you might be really interested in this guest. And then we're going to have a really amazing episode all about kind of how to craft goodbyes, how to craft non-ghosting responses when you don't want to go on another date, how to set boundaries with friends, with work, all of these things. We have an amazing, amazing human on the podcast today, Justine Infante. She is a sex educator, consultant, and speaker. She's based in New York, but we came to know her as your friendly ghostwriter on Instagram. She has an amazing Instagram page where Her followers DM her, you know, different scenarios in their life. You know, maybe they went on two dates with someone and they're not interested in going on the next or they want to 
finally define a relationship or set boundaries at work, as I mentioned. And she helps customize text message templates to help people break up, to help people set these other boundaries. So it's really amazing. I'm inspired when I read her Instagram posts. And we talk all about all the different ways, kind of the ingredients to setting boundaries um, today when we have her on. So we are so grateful that she came on and spent time with us. She's also just super cool, was very down to talk about her own dating experience in New York and is, yeah, a very... She's so cool. Cool human. <laughs> we love cool yeah, humans. Yeah, I just like, I also really, she was talking, a, she talked to us a little bit about her, the way she teaches sex ed to like kids and teens and whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, I wish you had been my sex ed teacher. She's like the future of sex ed i think oh yeah um but yeah this episode's basically just like one huge crafting corner we just talk about like how do you write this in a text (laughs) and it's really fun and um we know you'll love that interview um and i is that all our business that's all our business it was a lot of business thank you for bearing with us in our business woman vibes (laughs) liza both wearing suits just kidding i don't have a bra on (laughs) um (laughs) So consumption corner, right? Yeah. What are do you, you want to go first? Oh, I I think you should go first. Okay. I feel like mine is embarrassing, so I'm putting it off. Okay. Okay. Big week for me. You know your your friendly QAnon obsessy who's not in QAnon into QAnon, but is fascinated by it. There is an HBO documentary called Q Into the Storm. It is fascinating. It is a documentarian who has been following this. From very early on, Liza, have you seen this yet? No, I heard, okay, well, I I heard one thing about it early. Like, I heard someone early say they didn't love it, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I was like, oh, I won't watch it, and now everyone else likes it. It's because of the way- I think I just got that information early. No, me too, and I didn't watch it, despite my fascination. Again, can't say obsession with, fascination with QAnon. It's very much about who's behind QAnon, but- I think early on, maybe because it was released week by week and you didn't get to those final episodes, people were a little critical of the way it was portraying kind of this whole story almost, I don't know, could, I don't know what people were critiquing, but everyone's critiquing everything. But even the like amazing news, NBC news reporters who kind of cover this like quote unquote dystopia beat, that's their words, not mine. Um, who have done so much amazing work on, like, the disinformation and misinformation out there, they were, like, after the last episode, wow. Like, this documentarian, it's not a the jinx moment that um, Robert Durst, Robert Durst, mm-hmm. Doc, it's not to that level, but it almost is. There is access to these people who are highly involved with QAnon, if not QAnon themselves, the people who run the the scary board 8chan that the posts are on. It's all real, real scary. I I just, I highly recommend it. Um, had the same reaction, like, wow, this was so good. Why did someone tell me it was bad? So I don't know what happened out there, but check it out. Yeah. Maybe just like a slow, slow starter, but that's great. I've been, I've been wanting to watch it and, and have been, yeah, unsure, but you, as always, I will watch anything you tell me to forever. It's like a great window into all the different paths, you know, privileged white men who are also nerdy can take. Because there are these, like, amazing reporters who are doing great jobs, and, like journalists, but then there are just these people lurking on the internet. I don't know. That's that's a little unfair of me to characterize it as that because it's not, it's not only white men. There are plenty of women in this documentary. Oh, my goodness. But recommend. Can I do one more? Of course. Okay. The other show I've been posting about... And I just think it's very delightful is um, Jamie Lee's show on Netflix. 
the wedding plan oh my god now i don't know what it's called wow i watched almost all of them uh i'm doing this in real time i've heard really really good things about it from a couple people i haven't watched it yet Okay, so the wedding coach. Sorry, not the wedding planner. That's the J-Lo, Matthew McConaughey vehicle. Okay. Jamie Lee, she's been on this podcast. Definitely go back and check out her episode. We talked a lot about her book, Ridiculous. She just, the show is kind of, you take like the TLC shows that are about weddings, but then you have Jamie and like her comedian friends just kind of questioning, well, why do you feel pressure to do this? Questioning, why do you feel pressure to even have this kind of moment in your wedding? And I don't know. I, I just thought it was delightful. I love the premise behind it. Kind of like what we would in our wildest dreams strive to do with dating. Just like, yeah, you can still have a wedding. There's no shade. You don't have to be too cool for the wedding. But let's talk about all the real feelings that go along with it. All the family complications. And the Mateo Lane one, I think it's the third one. He's very funny. I was laughing out loud at. So I would check it out. I haven't seen them all. It's on Netflix. Really easy and fun watch. So those are my two wrecks this week. Fuck yeah. I feel like I need to watch that for my like spiritual well-being yeah (laughs) oh yeah Um, Liza wait (laughs) like you are the target audience I feel yes I know just like how do you do this in a way that doesn't feel like a weird outdated um ritual uh the answer is you don't or whatever you try and it still feels outdated (laughs) I've I've, yes I think this I, I can tell in this moment this show is for you Liza oh okay amazing I will definitely watch um, okay, so mine are such garbage. I will go from least trashy first. So I I found a, a comedian friend of mine recommended this stand-up comic called Nate. Named his name is Nate Bargatze, and he's uh, he has two specials on Netflix. They're um, both really funny. He has a ton of clips on YouTube. I've been just going in this deep hole of watching him like late at night, and it's I can't. He is like a a white guy. I, he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have a shtick. He, he's Southern. He's from Tennessee. He's got like an accent. And he's just extremely mellow. And he's so funny. He's just such a shining example to me of like actually just a funny guy. He's not relying on – I don't – I have not been offended by a single thing out of his mouth. But he's really smart. It's He's the butt of a lot of his own jokes. But he's not like – it's not like I'm so like fat and stupid in this. It's not. It's just he's like a smart, mellow male comedian who doesn't say anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. And I feel like that doesn't exist. It's like calming to watch him because it's just you know he has just like funny stories about ordering coffee and it's like a, a it fills a hole that I really really enjoy. Which is yeah, male comedians who never make me mad. <laughs> Um, and I would just really like recommend that it's like very low key, funny stand up comedy, not going to make you think too much. It's just like good, good, the good shit. Um, the other thing I'm watching a lot of that I keep talking about is 90 day fiance and I'm back. I used to talk about before the 90 days a lot and I'm now (laughs) I've run through all the before the 90 day seasons and I'm just watching regular ass 90 day fiance. It's so fucked up. But it is, okay, like, this is my (laughs) continued pitch for it. It is, like, a, it's a show about dating. I mean, it's about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. and there's so much fucked up shit, but it's, like, two strangers who have decided to get married, which is insane, 
but also like they're getting to know each other they're figuring stuff out they're negotiating like how they fight and how they this and whatever and a lot of times there's ulterior motives and there's all kinds of stuff going on but I do think it's like a really interesting human behavior show and I love all of the interview like I think the producers who interview do a really good job and like the interviews are my favorite part because they're all just so uncomfortable so I've really been crushing a lot of that um and then my last one I'll do is a book that I'm sure a lot of people have read and like several people have told me to read a bunch of times but I actually just started reading it it's called Red, White, and Royal Blue. Have you heard of this book? Or I read have it? because I I believe you had a great TV show idea that kind of is similar to this book. We can cut this out. We yes. won't spoil your idea because oh, it's really yes, good. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it's basically just about like the son of the president of the United States falling in love with the prince of England. And they have like this transatlantic like closeted kind of like secret romance and it's complete like chiclet it is not a very good book but it's like a very good book I can't wait I'm sure there's going to be a rom-com with like the most beautiful people it's going to get the full like crazy rich Asians treatment with just like a ton of production value and like beautiful humans and I will be there on its release date in theaters (laughs) I have only heard great things about that book and I don't feel I feel you're being too harsh on yourself there's not I mean, 90 Day, we could call it garbage, but it's garbage that most of the people are interested in. It's fascinating. I I think, you know, all of this sounds like something I'd like to consume. So, bravo to you. It, it's kind of mixed. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, like, proud of myself for reading a book. I finally decided, like, okay, I was trying to read, like, if you've been listening to this podcast through the pandemic, you know I'm having, like, a very tough time reading, and it really has been bumming me out. And partially, I've just been trying to read really serious books. And I just was like, it's a really serious time in the world. Like, I think I got to just pull it back a little bit. Like, usually I don't tend to read lighter books because I tend to watch a lot of really light TV, like 90 Day Fiance. Like, TV is where I go to for light shit. And reading is more of like, a you know, I want to learn something. I want to feel something. I want to whatever. So I just decided, like, fuck it, man. Let's get some chiclet going. And it, it's been really fun. And I've just been crushing this book. I That's inspiring. I really want to read that book. Maybe I'll propose it to my book club, though. They did extend our last month's book club date until to this upcoming Sunday, which is April 18th. And I have not read the book still, despite the extension I got. So, oops. oops. It's uh, okay. Book clubs are hard. They're hard. I It's, you know, March, I failed. It kind of ran into April. We'll see. Anyways, I'm going to propose that. that Those were great consumption wrecks, I feel. Now, who wants to learn how to break up with someone on text without being an a-hole? I do. Okay. Stay What's wrong with me tuned. today? First, you're going to learn about a sponsor, and then we're going to talk to our lovely guest. Okay, we are so excited to be talking to Justine Aguante. We um, fangirled you a little bit over your Instagram account, your friendly ghostwriter. Thank you so much for joining us. So happy to be here. Very excited to dive into, you know, everything and all things related to your Instagram, your your broader work, everything, you know, setting boundaries, um, being brave and texting. But we love to start off with our our typical icebreaker of do you have a worst first date story 
I'm lucky to not have too many bad first dates, but I will share this one which would fall under my truth benders category of my page. So um, we were chatting for probably a week or so. I think we matched on OkCupid several years back and the pictures seemed very athletic. Um, and he recommended me some great music. And I thought there was some good, decent enough vibe that I would say yes to a first date, should he invite. And he did. And then we met up at this coffee shop and there were probably only like five warm bodies in there. And none of them looked like the pictures of, uh, of this gentleman. And so I said, okay, maybe I'm early, but I'm pretty sure, I think he just texted me that he's here. So I'm looking around and then I see someone who then starts doing like the, are, are, are you, are you Justine kind of face? And I went, oh, it's this guy. Those were clearly pictures from at least a decade ago then. Um, and I said, all right, it's fine. Everyone's, you know, body's going to change. And, you know, he's still got the same personality probably than, you know, with how we've been texting. Um, and so I went in to give him a hug. This is well before COVID days. Oh, yeah. And, um, he reeked <gasps> like really oh. reeked. And that's not something that's going to come through the text messaging. So I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. I haven't had this problem before. So, I just figured, all right, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, it's just, it's an old sweater and it's his favorite one. I'm like give, trying to give the benefit of the doubt as much as I can. And as I pull away, I start to like inspect the sweater a little bit because I'm just assuming it's not body odor. It's just a non-laundered sweater. And the cuffs of the sweater were extremely tattered, but not in like a vintage Abercrombie and Fitch kind of way. It mm -hmm. looked like it had been eaten by like rodents or something. And anyways, I only describe it that way because basically how, then he started to talk because we never spoke on the phone. We only texted and he sounded like the voice actor of Eeyore. And oh like from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So then we start talking and I just started to feel sad. <laughs> like, I mean, I just started to match his like body language, his you know, he started describing like how low he was feeling about like his roommate had just left him because he said he was too messy. Um, he just started a new job that's a lot more challenging than he thought it was going to be. He didn't really have many positive things to say with what he was going on, what was going on with his life. And it just started to like match this like a, I feel like right now he's at a point in his life where He's hoping to get some levity with maybe going on this date with me, but I also know it's not my responsibility to be that bright light, but I tried really hard because it turned in quickly to a pity date. Um, and, you know, 45 minutes in, I was finishing up like the, the mocha or whatever he had gotten me. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be done with this drink and that'll be the end of the date. And he saw that like I'd finished my drink and said, Justine, I know this probably isn't going really well and I'm probably not the guy that you thought I was going to be, but it would just mean a whole lot to me if you could have one more drink with me. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. My and I said, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't assert my boundary. Ironically, <laughs> I felt so bad for him. He was just really having a hard time and, I said, sure. So I had a second drink and 
Um, and then when it, that one finished, you know, like I closed up shop and I said, you know, I hope things turn around for you and, you know, that you're, you end up liking your job and, you know, whatever it is, and you find a great new roommate and, and he'd asked me for this hug. <laughs> um, and he held on tighter <laughs> than I had imagined. So, yeah. you know, it was, um, it was, it wasn't like a bad date. It was a very unexpected date given like the personality that he was putting out there. Um, but I hope that things have turned around for him and he's a little bit uh, better in a happier place. But that um, is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, that's like a truth bender one for me. Um, yeah. I hope he's doing all right. Yeah. What a tricky moment too. Cause of course you want to assert your boundaries, but there's also like this human to human thing of like, Oh, this is a very sad person, probably in need of an ear, but then it's like, but do I have to be that ear? Right. I don't know. You know, it's like, that's a very, very tricky situation to find yourself in. Yeah. I said, you know what? All right. Companionship. I, all right. It's another drink. He's paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> another drink. This is a champagne problem. Just seeing you can do it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, my heart is like really feeling right? it right now. And yet I'm also like, to what you just shared, Justine and Liza, I'm like, but yeah, like you, then the long hug, like there were boundaries, like I feel for you as well. It's it's also <laughs> tricky and so relevant to the work that you do. Um, so yeah. Oh God, I'm my heart. I feel so sad. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to start off on this buzz. No, 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 no. No, I feel like that gets the title of like saddest first. (laughs) We've been like reframing, you know, because I I really appreciate we've had guests on who like Shaney Silver and just like women who are like, I don't love this narrative of like worst dates are worst first dates are fun or funny. And I agree with that, too, because they can be so awful. But this is just like, yeah, saddest. It's like worst for everyone involved. And those, you know, who hear about it. I hope he's in a great place, too. Me, Um, too. Okay, before we get into your Instagram account, because clearly I'm like itching to talk about it. Um, <laughs> we also have another cheesy icebreaker, but I think, it, you know, this is a dating and relationship podcast, so it will help people get to know you. What is your relationship to relationships? What has it been? How do you kind of describe it? You know, however <laughs> you want to interpret that. Uh, the adjective I usually use to describe my my dating life is robust. Mm-hmm. I think it's like sometimes when people say the word interesting <laughs> to be kind of like neutral, uh, but have a lot of feelings. But for me, it's robust in the amount that I have dated. It's uncanny how small of a world Manhattan is. I have dated a number of men who know the men I have dated. <laughs> um, like this just happened this past week. Um, it turns out that that's the guy's boss. And so oh my I mean, God. that it just, ugh, that happens a lot. Um, so robust in terms of amounts um, and then robust in terms of the inner work that I've been able to do as a result of the different personalities I've interacted with. I, I really didn't start dating, dating until I moved to New York when I was uh, 26, I think. And I'd always been in like long term relationships before that serially um, and with people who were my friends first. So -hmm. when I came to New York, I had my first real dates for the first time. And then, you know, the rest is history. Um, And so I I learned after all of those, you know, first dates and blind dates and all those kinds of things that um, 
it really tested who I was as a person in, you know, in, in real time, in front of a complete stranger with a vulnerability uh, that I didn't really exercise much before because I had friends who turned into boyfriends. And so um, I learned a lot about myself and uh, that's, I think how I learned a lot about what boundaries need to be uh, for me and how that can change over time and how that might be different for different types of people that I'm interacting with too. So robust and uh, introspective, I guess, is how I would describe my relationship uh, to relationships. I love oh. it. <laughs> I want that to be everyone's adjectives. Yeah. That's like, that would be what I, I would want dating to be like for everybody, if possible. <laughs> and it's it's so hard to get to that point, but um, incredible that you have. Yeah, I feel like every every person I've like dated, even if it was a first date to like a five-year you know long relationship, has primed me for, you know, the next person that I'm going to be with um, for the better, I'd like to think. Um, So I have a lot of gratitude, despite how tumultuous some of those, you know, histories might be, because I think uh, I learned so much in a relationship that I try to bring that uh, lesson, you know, towards the, the next one so that I either don't do that again, or I'm a little bit more open minded about something, um, or I'm just more receptive to a different type of idea or or value mm. that's really um inspirational I know. <laughs> so speaking of can you tell us a little bit about um what your kind of inspiration was to start your your instagram start your friendly ghostwriter so it actually wasn't me that was inspired to do it one of my very best friends uh you know has been on the front seat of a lot of my my dating uh life and so um you know whenever i ended a relationship not even a relationship anytime i ended like a first second or third date um and i would be telling her like how those dates were and i said yeah it didn't work out i needed to end it with him she has like oh what did you say and then i summed it up she's like no text me like copy paste what you texted him i said all right and so i started just doing that regularly and after a good number of the robust number of dates that i've rejected she said i hope you're saving this on a spreadsheet somewhere <laughs> and uh it's very much in line with how her and i were with studying in grad school together she's very like organized in type A as well. And so she's like, I hope you're saving this. And I was like, why would I save these? She's these are so well written. And I feel like people would benefit from this at some point in the future. I go, how, how would I share this? And she goes, I don't know, but you should just be keeping them. Or if anything, you have your own, uh, you know, archive to refer to when something similar happens with with another person you go on a date with. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So I just started like creating on like an Evernote, you know, blank document, just copy pasting whatever I sent to, you know, the guy and um, started to rack up. (laughs) And, um, and over COVID, I said, okay, I have this really long document of content that's fairly rich in, you know, compassion and assertiveness. Maybe it's time I do something, you know, um, uh, with it. And so over COVID, I decided to put it into um, an Instagram account, but because I tend to be very organized, I wanted it to be easy to navigate, whether it be color coding or, you know, categorizing it um, and then being open to interacting with people who might be interested. And I've been really encouraged by the number of followers in the two and a half months it's been out um, and the level of gratitude that people have for something that for me, I have, uh, taken for granted because this is just how I speak to people. Um, But I didn't realize it was necessarily a a, a skill set that 
some people struggle with or don't even have. And so I've been really encouraged um, by, you know, the, the, the thanks that I've been getting and the new ideas that I've been getting to, to exercise this type of creative muscle um, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of bolster my sex education career uh, in this very different type of way. Yeah, it's truly, and you know, we'll have shouted out it very much in the intro and everything, but if you are still listening to this podcast and have not checked it out, pause it and go check out Justine's account because it is a skill set. To me, I'm like, I couldn't do that. And I'm, I'm curious to know how you feel like it does like kind of intertwine with the work you do. You have your master's in education and public health and sexuality, correct? So yeah. it's like, of course you'd be like, this is natural for me, you know, creating <laughs> these responses, setting boundaries, you know. And then also sharing that with other people. But yeah, how does like, do you feel, this is a dumb question. Of course it is intertwined with like your knowledge base and your career. But I'm just curious how you kind of think about your work and then this Instagram together. Yeah, I think how it all intersected was um, years ago when I started teaching, you know, sex education, um, I had lessons around like defining love and Mm self-worth and it had nothing to do with, you know, breaking up with people in compassionate ways. It was just teaching, you know, my high school students, uh, you know, what are healthy ways of understanding love? Just because, you know, you feel an attraction towards someone doesn't mean you automatically trust that person. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference between love and trust, which is, you know, one of my mentors and how they taught, um, you know, sex ed to me is making that difference very clear. Um, And so the emotion needs to also be tied with some level of practicality. And um, so with those lessons, I started like helping my own students understand, you know, self-worth needs to be understood well. And, you know, you accept the love that you think you deserve. So let's make sense of what love is and why you believe you're deserving of that. So it became like a bit of like the self-esteem lesson that evolved over time. Um, And then I started doing a lot of work on consent education and boundary setting around different behaviors of sexuality. Um, And so the language there was very much about, you know, what, what feels good to you? Are you okay with this? Do you like that? Do you want more? Um, And that type of language is stuff that I have found it for people to really struggle asking or asserting because it's awkward or because this, you know, stigma of sex is still so strong. Um, And then I, you know, realized consent culture can only be realized if we even know that we are deserving of having our boundaries honored. And so it all intertwined in that way. And um, I think that's why it's, it's, it comes naturally to me to be able to assert a boundary because I've also been teaching it um, so often and in, in I think simplified ways in a school environment, whether it be my first graders to my 12th graders um, and saying like, well, is this fun for you? That's like the bottom line. If it's pleasure-based sex education, do you have fun when you hang out with this friend? And they're like, no, because they're always mean to me. I'm like, okay, so what can you say to them? Like, well, I don't like it when you do this. It hurts my feelings when? And then I have a similar conversation with my 12th graders who are coming to my office asking like, well, I just don't know if like I'm ready to have sex with them yet. And I was like, okay, so what might you say? Like, I don't know, because I feel like I'm supposed to, like I'm about to graduate. I'm like, okay, so you're letting an external factor tell you that you need to do something with your body that you're not even ready for. 
Um, and so having those conversations for, you know, 10 years of my sex ed career, I think just helped me to, you know, come up with these text message templates in probably quicker ways and more natural ways than others um, can get to. But I'm glad that I can offer it in, um, in such like explicit and practical ways now to yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so jealous of your students. Like I just really (laughs) would like, they're so incredibly lucky to have had uh, you as their educator. Like, like I wish my experience of sex ed had been similar to that. And I grew up in a liberal area. We had, you know, we did not even have like the worst version of sex ed, but it was very like fear based and like, look at these pictures of, of genital herpes. And that was kind of like the thing. And again, that was considered like, the better kind of sex ed right. because they were not abstinence only. They were mm-hmm. very upfront. They were very, you know, but to, to have sex ed also be folded into um, how to communicate and how to understand like yeah. the emotional side of relationships right. is so fucking cool. I think that's awesome. Thanks. I wish um, I had it too. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, uh, but um, what? just kind of thinking a little bit like we, you know, we've had this podcast for a while and I feel like we hear from so many listeners. We talk to so many people about dating. And I feel like 75% of problems with dating boil down to boundaries. Mm. Why do you think it's so, so difficult for people to set boundaries? So I'm going to gender my answer here because it's reality. I think that um, femmes struggle the most with this because we have been socialized in this patriarchal society to be the caretaker, be the caregiver and prioritize other people's comfort and feelings over our own. So asserting boundaries sounds so contrary to our core, mm-hmm. um, but making sure other people are comfortable and that we are respecting their boundaries is what you know is something that feels normal for us. And so it's a radical act to really pick yourself first. And I'm glad that, you know, this buzzword of self-care is becoming more and more um, popular. But I think people think of self-care and think manicures and massages and, you know, watching TV or something. And when people ask me, you know, in panels that I'm on, you know, what are your self-care practices? Uh, I'm like, uh, I don't um, accept friend requests from people that I actually want to for them to know like what I'm what I've cooked that day or I actually unfriend a lot of people because I only want to have like 200 people have access to my Facebook um and they're like that kind of sounds mean and I went to whom mm-hmm. like my boundaries are meant to honor me not to offend you and you know that's one of like my favorite mantras that you know one of my chosen fam sis um, JL Umipig has like taught me my boundaries are not meant to offend you. They're meant to honor me. And when I, you know, when she, when she has that up on her, you know, her Instagram account and like in our relationship together, and I see her put that into practice, I see how she actually does take care of me better as a, um, as a friend, because she is prioritizing herself first. Um, and that is an un fortunately radical acts, but it was because of that mantra that really um, pushed me and propelled me forward to start figuring out other ways to protect my time and my energy and who is going to be taking up that time or energy. Um, And that involves the people that I choose to spend that time with. So um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's mainly been how I've gotten there. (laughs) 
It's so inspiring. Again, we're just going to nerd out and just be fangirly. But I'm like, even just hearing you articulate these, you know, quote unquote, or unfortunately radical um, ideas around boundaries is just like inspiring me to think about even thinking about career or like mm-hmm. my relationships at work just throughout life, how I, yeah, I don't have a great relationship with boundaries. And that's probably why I was so obsessed when we were sent by multiple people at your Instagram. Um, but Justine, okay, kind of boiling, getting closer to like the actual posts that you make. Yeah. I'm curious. Oh, you could do, again, huge Shout out to you for having it color-coded, having it be so organized. (laughs) I'm curious uh, what kind of category or type of response you get the most DMs about, you know, when it comes to how should I respond to this text? And and, like as a secondary question, if it surprised you, if it's like exactly what you thought or if it's a different kind of category that comes up a lot. Hmm. I haven't run the analytics yet uh, since I'm still only like just over two months in. I will need to, but (laughs) I feel like the most requests I've gotten, because I think in total I've gotten about 60 um, Mm -hmm. and the rest that you've seen are from my own personal life that I have personally sent to people. Um, So of the 60, which is a very small data set, um, I think most of it has to do with... um, uh, Oh gosh, I don't even know if there's a trend yet. No, that's okay. That's okay. That was, yeah. Sorry. I think, okay, of the 60, the one I'm starting to get a lot more now because people are seeing that I'm not only doing dating boundaries mm-hmm. is how do I break up with a friend? Oh my gosh, so relevant. Yeah. We just recently talked about this. Okay. <laughs> so Very that's nice. been coming up in the last two weeks since I launched the good boundary kind of categories as opposed to a goodbye. Because I had said, look, sometimes you don't want to like totally say goodbye to somebody. You just want more space or time, but you want them still in your life, but just in a different type of capacity. And then once I opened up friendship under that, people just said, well, I actually want a goodbye, but for a friend. And I was like, okay all right, well, tell me the reason why. And they'll say, you know, it's just, just because we've been friends since childhood. Now I just feel obligated to still hang out with them, but it feels very contrived whenever we do. And so I was like, all right, that sounds like it falls under like the no chemistry mm. dating boundary uh, goodbyes that I used to do. So I'll just put it under no chemistry. Um, and it's, you know, around a friendship that, you know, just, um, has fallen, you know, fallen off from what it used to be. So I feel like the friendship ones, um, have have been maybe the most common, but that might just be because it's the freshest in my mind of the most recent requests. Yeah. And so we're, we, without, you know, every situation is specific and different, but how would you kind of, if there were ingredients to the the friendship breakup, what, yeah. what would you suggest? Well, I always remind people that I am not a therapist. Yes. <laughs> I do have more degrees than I should, but and I'm very tired from acquiring them, but none of them have to do with being uh, a therapist. And so I remind people of that, but I, I guess I, I have different formulas. Um, I'm not saying that they're right, but I feel like there are different ways people can go. And that's mm-hmm. again, why I have to remind people like this might not be right. Cause I'm not a therapist, but um, let yeah. me kind of like mimic the tone that you are aiming for and we'll get there. So in the DMS, you know, I'll ask them like, well, what do you want? Do you want to fully cut off ties and never speak to this person again? Or do you just want to let them know what they did and then see if you can repair and heal and then recover? Um, or what? And when the request is, no, I just completely want to end it, but I feel bad. And, um, I want to do it in a nice way because we have a history and our parents are friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then I said, all right, this 
sounds like you could do a compliment sandwich. So mm-hmm. say what you love about your friendship and the history um, that is makes it unique to the two of you. And then address the tension or the issue at hand that occurred. And then the third part would be like the, and I hope we can repair and move forward from this now that you know that that thing or event made me feel uncomfortable. So you have like the happy, here's the problem, and then happy going forward kind of thing. So that would be like one, I guess, approach. Uh, when I'll get the, no, I, I just don't want to be friends with this person anymore. It's, you know, really frustrating and obligatory. Then I would say like, all right, this is an open face compliment sandwich. So, <laughs> you know, you have the, I appreciate, you know, what we have, uh, you know, built together over the 25 years, you know, we've been friends and I feel like we're going in different directions now and uh, would probably be better that, um, you know, we, we respect those different pathways mm-hmm. and then that's it. Um And then if, and I did recently get one about a friend who's crossed a line. So there was like a full violation, either a physical boundary or emotional boundary uh, and someone taking advantage of their history to know exactly the right button to push to intentionally offend and hurt. And so that one is more of just like the cross the line category that I have in dating and like no need for a compliment or anything happy there. So there's no bread afforded on this one. And it's just the meat on like, look, you did this thing and it hurt my feelings. And this is not something that I want to, you know, maintain in, in my life. Uh, so I, you know, res- I hope you'll respect uh, why you won't be hearing from me anymore or accepting any of your invitations. And then that's that. It's so interesting. God, it sounds so empowering just to hear you say these things. Yep. Like it makes me wish I had been clearer <laughs> about boundaries in the past. I it, it's always been something I've struggled with. Um, I think I'm getting better, but um, sometimes my therapist reminds me that I'm <laughs> I'm still working on it a lot. Um, but it feels like we, you know, mostly we kind of talk on this podcast about like early days of dating. Mm-hmm. And I feel like communication struggles around that in particular can be so tricky because often it's like you don't really know the person or you have some almost like you were saying you have like a small data set around them. You're like, okay, I can infer these kind of like general things about this person based on, you know, a handful of text conversations, a couple times meeting in real life. And like, that's it. Right. Um, Do you have any thoughts generally on how to set boundaries or ask for clearer communication with someone who there isn't a history with or who you don't really know? I like to model um, what I want to see from them by telling them like what they can expect from me. So uh, I'm, I have a really buggy phone right now. I'm like, I saw that like, okay, I bought this phone a year and a half ago. And usually these phones are built for only two years now. And so I'm, I'm getting like self-conscious that people aren't receiving my text messages. Cause I'm like, all right, is he ghosting me right now? Or did my text again, not go through? Cause that has legitimately been happening. And so it was actually this morning I texted, uh, uh, two people that I am, uh, that I just went on first dates with, um, because I hadn't heard back and it's been, and they usually replied within like three hours and it's been like now a day. And um, just yesterday, a friend said, Hey, you didn't send me, you know, the email address I asked. And I said, yeah, I did. And I screenshotted it. And said, so it's like, Oh, that never came through. So I was like, Oh God, these guys either think I'm an asshole now because I didn't reply to them though. I definitely did, but I'm not hearing them reply back so that I'm feeling like my own insecurities. So I said, all right, well, I've known him for 
two hours total and that other guy two and a half hours. So I don't have a history to know if this is something they commonly do or not. So I'm just going to say what's happening. And I was just fully honest. I said, Hey, what's the last text message you received from me? Cause my phone's been buggy recently. And, you know, he, he replied back saying, Oh, you know, something about have a good night. I said, okay, cool. So you haven't been victim yet to, to my phone and it's bug. Um, uh, and then I said, uh, and then, you know, and then we carried on our conversation about whatever else. So I was like, all right, so that one, fine. He knows that. Oh, and I said something like, um, if you don't hear from me within 12 hours, know that my phone, you're, you're, you've probably become victim to my phone, whatever. Cause I am usually someone that responds at least usually within the hour. But if you don't hear from me for 12, mm-hmm. I don't want you to think I'm an asshole. I literally have something going on in my phone. So I was just very explicit with that. And then the other guy, um, I had, uh, I basically just uh, said, um, hey, not sure if you got my last text because it's been it's been buggy recently, but here's what I had sent. And that one was important to me because we had a good first date and he had followed up saying that was so much fun. When I get back from my trip, I hope we can reconnect um, in person or something. And so I was like acknowledging and agreeing with that. And I didn't want him to think like, oh, I guess she didn't have a good first date because I haven't heard from her in six hours or whatever it was. But I had replied pretty, pretty soon after, but I didn't hear from him for a day. So then I followed up today and said, you know, hey, my phone's been buggy. Uh, in case you didn't get my reply, here it is again. And then he replied to quickly back, uh, quickly saying, um, no, I totally got that. And I am totally interested in hitting you up while I'm in, you know, uh, when I'm out of town. Um, it's, it's, it's me being the dick. I'm really bad with texting. So at least now I knew, okay, so he knew that I was just being honest and hopefully not thirsty sounding. Um, I'm just like, you're not texting me back, text me back now. Because it was the onus felt like it was on me to reply to him. Um, and so I felt like those two examples are microcosms of like how I normally am. I, you know, I say like, look, um, uh, I'm about to go into a meeting. So you're probably not going to hear from me in the next two hours, but I'll get back to you and answer that question shortly. So I like to manage people's expectations because I like, my expectations managed. And so if they go, you know, if they say like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. I was like, yeah, I just don't want you to think I'm leaving you on red. Um, but, you know, I have another life besides dating you. And so mm-hmm. I, I usually let them know ahead of time. as like when you can expect to hear from me next. Um, and if they don't reciprocate that, I usually, you know, will say something on like a, it helps me to know when you're available so that, um, you know, I can, uh, I can emotionally and logistically manage like, you know, the, the date for this weekend. Um, and honestly, I've ended a lot of like short-term like dating relationships because they have been so spontaneous as they want to call it when it's more like, no, you're a flake and doesn't respect my time. Uh, and I was very clear about, you know, you needing to be, you know, explicit with when you are available and I get that you're an investment banker, uh, but also, you know, I know you have to go to the bathroom every so often and you probably take your phone with you. So, you know, that would be the quick time to just say like, can't get to it right now, but I'll reply to you tonight. And I'm not asking always for an answer. I'm just asking for managed expectations. So that's like something that's important to me that might not be the case for everyone else. But to answer your question, Liza, it's more like I model for them what I want to be received in return. And I think that's because like, I learned that in education school, like you want your students to be able to learn in a way that makes sense. Um, And so I try to model what learning looks like when I'm teaching to them. Uh, I just think I'm thinking about if I 
you know, you, you acknowledge that this might not be everyone's kind of communication style or ex- they don't want their expectations managed. But I am thinking of so many times my anxiety would have been mitigated or just mm-hmm. wiped away mm-hmm. entirely if I had said things like you did. Like just been a little clearer about what my expectations were around communication. And right. it it feels like a version of what, you know, definitely comes up in a lot of the responses you craft around ghosting or saying, mm-hmm. you know, yes or no to a – after a first date. So, you know, to ghost or not to ghost, we are on the side of don't ghost. And I know, you know, your work is about, you know, dating's a vulnerable thing, like sharing feedback and, you know, being clear with your expectations is really positive – I'm curious, you know, I I just know there are people listening, thinking about, but it would just be so easy to like not reply. We've only been on one date, you know, and I feel that I had those tendencies as well. How do you navigate or how would you recommend, again, knowing that every response is different, that just that like after a first date, the urge to ghost, but then why? I guess maybe like pitch us on why you should actually not ghost, you know? Oh, that's actually easy. If you don't feel like it's safe for you, Hmm. To, to, you know, to say something um, because maybe the reason you don't want to go on a second date with that person is because they seem like volatile and, you know, aggressive, um, then ghosting Ghost. might be the option. Yeah. Um, hopefully that is rare. And that is why I am providing this like service because I think it's more on like, well, I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Got it. Like nobody likes to reject anyone and nobody likes to feel rejected. And dating already sucks the way it is. And it's exacerbated with ghosting. Um, And I think the only reason that um, I'm I'm a proponent of not ghosting, if it's safe for you to not ghost, um, is because I've been pleasantly surprised by how well received a rejection can be taken if it's delivered in a compassionate way. So the only reason that I think you shouldn't, uh, that you should ghost is if it's unsafe for you uh, to reach out to that person again. That is it. So whether you feel like you're, there's an imminent threat to your physical or emotional health by potentially, even if it's a compassionate rejection that this person, you know, will really um, react in a poor way that puts you in an unsafe position, then ghost, go ahead. I'm a proponent. Um, But, you know, I, I've, been a recipient of replies to my rejections with a, wow, um, you know, I'm actually really impressed that you decided to tell me uh, that you weren't interested anymore uh, when you could have easily ghosted me. Thanks for your honesty. Um, And then another one was, oh, that's a bummer because I really like you, but thanks for not just ghosting me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Another one was, uh, uh, oh, that's too bad. Um, but you know, I wish you well as too, you know, so, I mean, they've actually been fine and calm. Uh, and then in some ways I had to provide feedback because they, some of them are like, really, I thought we really hit it off. Mm. And so in that sense, I mean, this is what, like why matchmakers get paid. Like they give feedback, right. And who's going to give better feedback than the person you dated, Right. And so I figured, all right, well, it's possible to give constructive feedback um, to somebody. It's just 
are they, you know, are, or are, uh, are they able to handle it? And that's where I've also seen some true colors where I was very affirmed that I ended it and rejected the right person because of how fragile their replies were to some of my constructive feedback, despite how compassionate they were. So um, that was an extra, you know, red flag after I already rejected them to go like, oh, Justine, good call, because <laughs> look at him now. <laughs> oh, yeah, have been there. Yes, it's like very validating, even though it's generally disappointing that humans, you know, feel act that way in the world. But yeah, mm -hmm. when I think about it and think back to times I you know, made excuses. If I, I wasn't a ghoster, but I, or made, but I made excuses. And what I think is so refreshing about your replies is just the honesty, but not ever being cruel. Just, I'm curious. Sometimes kind of, I'm cruel. I, I mean, did a cruel one with, uh, <laughs> with some of my joke ones on like yeah. Melania and Kanye. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we're acceptable. down for that. Yeah. They, they deserve it. Um, but I kind of like I asked you already with the friendship one, what are like the maybe like structure ingredients to making sure that again the situation being because a lot of when we ask people what they needed help with it's like turning d someone down in early dating after a first date what are kind of the ingredients is it compliment sandwich again is, are there any like when you're giving someone feedback in such a vulnerable situation what what are your tips and tricks <laughs> yeah um i statements i know yeah. that sounds very like elementary school but I mean the, the reason we teach that is because we wish people communicated more with I statements as opposed to accusatory statements mm -hmm. with you right even if that person actually is guilty of x y and z what's important and cannot be negated is how you feel about it and so I think it's always important with most of the you know uh, templates that it includes like I felt this when you did this, um, as opposed to, uh, well, you're an ass because you did this and that's it, right? And I think that's where that the compassion part comes in is like, um, I just don't feel comfortable when, um, you know, um, it's not uh, aligned with my value set that, like whatever it is. So I think, yeah, just really focusing on the I statement. It doesn't literally always have to end in I or start with I, but um, I think the framework when you're divide, you know, composing your own should be under your lens and not, um, it should be from you being A and that person being B and the direction should be like A to B and not like, here's staying at B and here's what's wrong with B all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but more like here is how A is being impacted and feels because that's something that you can't negate. It's like, that's your story. Um, whereas they can say, no, I don't do that. But they can't say, no, you don't feel that. That's an invalid statement. So I think um, I statements and really crafting your um, response through your lens, your feelings, um, your experience as opposed to speaking on behalf of what B did. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so wise. And you were like, it's simple, but I forget, I forget that. I'm thinking of all, again, all these scenarios, like outside of relationships where just like be, yeah, if I framed things from my feelings and it would just be different. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people aren't taught that. Like I wasn't, you know, I like, again, went to therapy as an adult and like figured out a few things but it's it's very um it's hard in especially in relationship romantic relationships romantic situations because we're also all so 
um there's so much insecurity there's so much it can feel so personal and so um about you which like it isn't (laughs) you know usually um so it's it's a very difficult thing but it's it's really yeah super helpful to hear okay on the topic of boundaries that's like this is a little bit you know, relevant to right now. But I feel like as people are getting vaccinated, dating might change. COVID boundaries. Do you have any tips? Things came in about that with how to communicate that in a way in early dating, maybe even before our first date. Um, It's probably going to be similar, but I'm just curious, Justine, your take on that. Yeah, I have two funny things uh, to say about that one, Kimmy. So uh, I have a category called life in Moderna times because (laughs) of – all of these uh, texts are like these blasts from the past that I started getting around phase 1B in New York City. Um, I had gotten my first dose at that point and two of my other teacher friends uh, were also in the same boat and they texted me within literally the same 24 hours that I got this uh, text from a guy from the past. Um, and they're like, yeah, I was at the rock climbing gym and, you know, we hooked up like last year and all of a sudden he was like texting me and I, I, I it was just weird. It was out of the blue. And then my other girlfriend said the same, like, yeah, out of the blue, this one guy. And then I go, me too, this morning. I go, what is <laughs> happening? What is the common denominator here? Why are we all hearing back from these guys of our past? And then one of them had suggested, uh, wait we're all vaccinated with the first (laughs) dose and they're all of a sudden thinking that you know our bodies are invincible or whatever so they're ready to hook up again and i was like oh my god those motherfuckers wow (laughs) they don't understand how science works okay so anyways that's how i came up with life in these moderna times um and and then the second part i'll say is that in, in the peak of COVID in New York City in around like uh, April or so, um, I was starting to, you know, hear a lot of like guidelines on like how to communicate with people around COVID and, you know, making sure that any gatherings, you have to ask these questions first. And I'm looking at these scripts and I'm like, yo, these are the same scripts that I teach my sixth graders about consent when they have a crush on someone so that it's flirting and not hurting. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Okay. So then I was like, how can I put this all together, you know, with like intersecting, like what I do with consent education and now with like COVID safety protocols. And I'm like, if you were already practicing sexual citizenship, you're probably crushing it at social distancing protocol because you have been well exercised asking questions like, you know, who else have you been seeing? Have you already been tested? Who else might be there? Right. What are you comfortable with? And, and so the silver lining with, I guess, you know, the, the COVID protocols um, and the fact that we're in this pandemic is that people had to start asking these questions and kind of getting past that, um, that barrier of, well, I, I, if I ask this question, it might imply that I don't trust this person. And it's like, or you're being a good citizen, making sure that we don't further spread an infection, um, which is what we should have always been doing anyway with all of the things, right? So now people have to, and, um, you know, even if like you're in an elevator and it's maximum two people, like in my building, you know, I'm, I'm getting into an elevator and I see another person waiting and I ask them like, do you want to share? I'm comfortable sharing. Mm-hmm. That's consent culture. Right. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. You don't mind. I go, no, not at all. Boom. Okay. Yep. And then other people will respect, you know, uh, um, when, uh, 
I know they're an older person, so I want to set the boundary for them. But I, and so I just said, no, go ahead. You take it. I'll wait for the next one. Mm -hmm. You know? So like, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of intersection because people are now getting a lot more used to those questions. I just hope that that skill set translates to when they want to start being sexually intimate, that they continue to ask those questions. Um, so now with just like COVID in general and dating, um, you know, I think it can look like a lot of ways. And I think some of the dating apps are actually trying to assist in that mm -hmm. with like putting it in your profile as one of the filters. What type of dating are you comfortable with? Socially distanced, masked socially distanced, no mask, not socially distant, um, or virtual, you know, Zoom call only or whatever, right? Yeah. And so having it in there normalizes that we need to be talking about boundaries around COVID. Um, I mean, and there are some even dating apps where are very explicit, like, you know, here's where you put like upload the PDF of your HIV test results. Like they've, mm -hmm. those already exist, but um, you know, I just hope that people translate what we're already learning about COVID protocol into um, STIs and talking about that and normalizing it, taking the shame and stigma away from that. Um, but then also um, feeling like this is a great way to practice your boundaries. I'm like, well, I'm not comfortable. Like, let's do a FaceTime first. Um, and then uh, we can discuss, you know, comfort meeting up at the park mm -hmm. um, and we'll bring our masks and, or, you know, maybe you'll do a PCR three days beforehand or something, or I have free access to a rapid test and then I can meet up with you. But I really always appreciate when somebody um, offers that before I even get to the point of asking them. That yeah. tells me already a lot about their character aligning with, with me. Like, oh, well, um, if you want, we can meet up this Friday and I can get a PCR on Monday. So I should have the results by then. Um, and then hot. we can make the reservations, right? Really I was like, this is hot. This is consent <laughs> yeah. culture. You're, yeah. You respect not just like me, but like my health also. Yeah. And you respect your own health, which is attractive to me and a partner. So we have like these new filters that I think we can kind of screen people with based on their COVID citizenship. Totally. I feel like it's also a good way to practice. Mm -hmm. Like for people like me who have had difficulties set setting boundaries, I feel like I've gotten better at it this year because mm -hmm. I've had to be like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Like if you guys do rock on, but like I don't. Right. And I that's like really been tough for me in the yeah. past. So it's yeah. I, I think it's like an opportunity to show people in early dating that you are going to be communicative and like tell people what you need and what you want and be like, hey, this is the setting a precedent here. Like right. like what you were saying earlier, Justine, like this is what to expect from me. Yeah. I mean, I had a few dates um, uh, and this was in like December, or November, um, where I could tell just based on the early text message exchanges that they were not going to be aligned on how I wanted to practice, you know, COVID safety, um, just by like, oh, wow, like I, I would say something and the kind of like test the waters that way saying like, um, oh, I'm just going to do another seamless because even though, you know, they're allowing 25% occupancy, I just don't feel don't feel comfortable eating indoors. And then the response for one of these guys was like, oh, wow, you're really taking this thing seriously, huh? Uh, and then <laughs> and I replied, okay, well, it's time to compose a goodbye to this guy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, stuff like that. Or another guy said, um, you know, I'm flying home to visit my family and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said, wow, you're ready for an international flight, huh? And he goes, well, and then he had some like really sad news with his family and that's why he had to go. But I'm going to quarantine in a hotel two weeks prior to seeing my mom. And then I said, okay, that tells me a little bit more. Like, you know, initially I was judging him and then I was yeah. like, okay, retract that judgment. 
So I'm able to screen like value sets, uh, you know, with different types of things, seeds I might plant and see kind of how they address it. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's, it's all, it's it, in some ways, it's, it's a tragedy what has happened. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to minimize that. Mm-hmm. But to your point in dating, in friendships, Liza, like you mentioned, setting, I have set more boundaries around COVID and I felt totally fine because it's this, I don't feel personally responsible. I feel like it's COVID's fault. Yeah. And then my, yeah. I'm communicating in I statements actually. Like I'm just not comfortable. It's just like I didn't cave to the social pressure because I was so scared of getting COVID when friends were like, you're so paranoid. I didn't cave. And I'm kind of proud of that now that mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, Justine. Um, but okay, this is a bit, you're, again, everyone, you must go read, DM Justine if you want help with goodbyes and any kind of, you know, boundary assertion. But I'm curious, Justine, when things come up in real life outside where you're not going to craft a text, like you and I are dating and we have a hard conversation or I want to assert a boundary or feel that I need to, I feel like for me personally in, you know, regular conversation in person, that's where I shy away. I prefer to like edit, like write something out. Yeah. I'm much, I'm yeah. a much better writer. Like I'm, I'm speaking on a podcast right now, but I'm long winded and chattering around. How would you, what, what thoughts do you have about, you know, when you're in the moment with someone and the goodbye, you feel like the goodbye might need to happen, but you're in person. Any thoughts on that? I, I know it's probably the same, but it just feels harder somehow to me. No, it totally is harder. It totally is harder. I think people, you know, feel a safety behind a screen. We know that with anonymous forums, but we also Mm -hmm. know that with being able to pause, reflect, edit, delete, add, um, and review before you press send. Um, And I think there is something that needs to be honored with that because some people might be more, um, you know, rational and uh, measured with that. And we would rather hear their measured rational Mm. thoughts over text. If you don't have that luxury and you are in person and, uh, you know, that maybe goodbye or boundary setting needs to occur and you know that that's probably going to happen. I encourage people to, um, prepare for what they might want to say by writing it out. Still like, all right, well, I'm going to meet up, you know, with her and brunch. And maybe this is the time I'm going to have that talk with her. And I might even manage your expectation by saying, hey, I'm glad we're meeting up tomorrow for brunch. Um, there's been something on my mind that I've been wanting to share with you. Mm-hmm. So it kind of already mentally prepares them for like, oh, something different besides the eggs Benedict is going to occur tomorrow. Uh, okay. I was like, you know, I, I don't want to talk about it over text. I think uh, it's more important that we talk about it face to face, but I'm just giving you the heads up that um, I have some news to drop or whatever it is. Right. Um, And so I think that's one way that you can mitigate the anxiety of that in-person live goodbye Mm -hmm. or boundary setting. Um, If it's not something you expected to do, um, I always recommend starting with a, oh, okay. um, This is, this is hard for me to say. Mm -hmm. And starting with that humanizing line, because it, prepares the other person, gives them time to be like, oh, something's about to happen. And it's like, um, I didn't really prepare any of this, but I, I feel the need to share something about it because this made me really uncomfortable. And then, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you say it. But I think one, it gives you time to take your breaths that you'll need to take because it's something difficult. You're humanizing the situation and honoring the, um, you know, improvisation that's about to occur by letting them know what I'm about to say 
isn't well-formed, but it's important enough that I'm willing to stomach the tension and tell you my raw emotion. Uh, and it might mean that I'll say things I'll want to revise later, but it's important enough that you know that it's hurt me. Um, and, uh, and there's a sense of urgency to it. Mm -hmm. So like kind of the underlying messages of that humanity that you preface with can be, I think, a really powerful and connective um, process, despite you possibly trying to disconnect from that person in the future. Oh, it's all, so, you're so wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like sitting here being mind blown. Thank you. Just so, robust yeah. dating life. I, I'm, again, <laughs> I credit a lot of my dating life to my ability to be at this point. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really inspirational too. I'm sure for our listeners who are out there dating and, and struggling with it. I mean, most people come to this podcast because they find dating hard. So it's really, I, I hope everyone is as inspired as we are by like hearing from you and hearing that like a robust oh my god wait what was the other word I already forgot it uh, robust, introspective introspective dating life is like very possible and very empowering <laughs> Justine this has been so great we're so grateful for all of the incredible knowledge you have dropped um please tell everyone where they can find you follow you everything sure uh so my website for my overall sex education career is justinefonte.com j-u-s-t-i-n-e-f-o-n-t-e.com um, and then the account we've been talking about this whole episode is uh, on Instagram. It's um, underscore good period buys underscore. And you can just DM me directly in there to, uh, to, for a custom request and I'll do my very best to help you out. And we're going to link all of that yeah. below. As always, please go follow Justine. And thank you so, so, so much. Thank, thank you, Eliza. You. Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you so much. This was great. And we're, again, just so grateful that you came on and shared so much knowledge with us. I'm honored.